Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is sponsored um, in loving memory of Lillian Lee Rishti, Alea Shalom, Lilu Nishmat Lea Bat Mazal. Alea Shalom sponsored by her daughter, Robin Beta. Breakfast in the Class as well has been dedicated in honor of Rabbi Shlomo Fahi, Yishta Bach Shemo, for reigniting the flame for so many. May he and his family always be blessed and guarded by Hashem. Sponsored by Ira Frankel. Um, as well, <clears throat> we have breakfast in the class dedicated in uh, loving memory of uh, Jack Levy, Alava Shalom, um, and as well in, as a thank you and a suudat hoda'ah for Yitzhak Ben Sarah for his Rifuah Shalema. My friends, we have a very interesting uh, parasha, paragraph in our parasha this week. The Jewish people are traveling in the desert and they start to complain about how long and how arduous and how difficult the journey is. And after they keep complaining, eventually, you know, they've been told time and time again that they're going to be punished for complaining. And God sent the snakes, haserafim, uh, which uh, literally means um, the burning ones. So one way of reading it is the burning snakes. And they bit the people. And many people died in this attack of poisonous snakes. The people come to Moshe and they say, We've sinned. We spoke about Hashem and about you. Speak to God. Let him take away the snake from us. And Moshe prays on behalf of the people. So what's God's response? And Hashem says to Moshe, Make for yourself a snake. And place it on a staff, very high. Anyone that is bitten, they will look at this, uh, this snake on a staff that you've built, this uh, statue, and they will live. And Moshe makes a snake made out of copper. And he places it on the stick. And if anyone got bitten by the snake, and he would look at this copper snake and he would live. Now, our Chachamim explained to us right away. Of course, it doesn't mean that they were looking at the snake and there was any power in the snake. But rather, instead of looking down at the bite, if they looked up at this snake which was on a staff that was elevated, the act of lifting their eyes up reminded them that this wasn't coming from below, from a snake, it was coming from Borei Olam. And when they lifted their eyes to Shamayim, to heaven, and prayed to God and recognized the source of their troubles, they did Teshuvah and they were healed. My friends, I want to direct your attention to the words of Rashi, because I think that there's a tremendous lesson here. Rashi says that after the people complained, and God said to Moshe, to make a snake, Moshe made a snake made out of nechoshet, out of copper. And Rashi says, Lo lo God never told him to make the snake out of copper, just God told him to make the snake. Ela amar Moshe. Moshe said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Koreo Nachash, God calls it a snake, Vani e'esenu shel nechoshet, I will make it of copper. Lashon nofel al lashon. One word, one expression falls on the other. What does that mean? The word nachash and the word nechoshet have three of the same letters. The nechoshet only has the taf at the end. 
So one word falling on another word, I'm going to make Nachash out of Nechoshet, because God calls it Nachash, a snake. The Ramban asks, the Nachmanides asks a great question. He says, take a look. God never called it a snake. God said, saraf. Make for yourself saraf. Now I mentioned to you earlier that God sent to them hanechashim haserafim, the snakes, the burning ones. But really the word saraf could also mean a snake, as we saw that God said, saraf. Make for yourself uh, a snake and put it on this. So asks Ramban, what is Rashi talking about? You know why Moshe made it of copper? Because the word for copper is nechoshet. And God calls it a nachash. God told me to make a nachash. So nachash, nechoshet, I'm going to make the snake that God told me to make out of nechoshet, which is the same letters. And therefore, um, they must have overlapping features and overlapping powers. My friends, Ramban's question is very powerful. God never said, make nachash. He said, make saraf. So what's the answer to this question? So I looked, and I was trying to find an answer for Rashi. And there's a beautiful answer from Rashi, from the Bartenura. Bartenura writes, he says as follows, Rashi doesn't say, Hashem told me, Amar li, God told me to make a nachash, because indeed he did it. God said, make a saraf. It says, God koreo, God calls him nachash. That just means that the name of this uh, being, of this animal, Previously, HaKadosh Baruch Hu was called this animal Nachash. And therefore, Moshe says, I'm going to double down on the inherent power of the Nachash to bring the healing, and I'm going to double Nachashet. Nachash and Nachashet. Nachoshet, okay? So the Batanura already answers uh, a little bit of this. He says, God did not tell him to do that. But Moshe was following the origin name of the species, which God had called it Nachash, when? In the beginning of time, when God speaks about the first Nachash in history, we hear the name Nachash, we don't hear the name Saraf. My friends, but the Bartanura goes further, and he says something magnificent. He says, if you looked carefully, the Jewish people spoke about God, Badonai, Uba Moshe. They spoke about God and Moshe. Why did you take us out of Egypt? Why did you bring us? They had sinned to God and Moshe. Therefore, when God punished them, he gave them two separate punishments, says Bartanura. He sent Nachash, one type of snake, and Saraf. The Nachash was sent in punishment for the fact that they had complained against God. It says, Moshe. It says also, So therefore, the Nachash, the snake that was called Nachash, was sent as a punishment for God. And the Saraf was sent as a second punishment um, for speaking bad about the Sadiq, about Moshe Rabbeinu. Therefore, God says to Moshe, now it's beautiful, make for yourself Saraf. God says, I'm not worried about me, about my honor. I'm punishing now, I'm punishing them now. I've forgiven them already. But I don't want them to take advantage. I don't want them to make fun of. I don't want them to pl- complain against you. So, that's why he says, make the, your honor a saraf. Moshe Rabbeinu, who's also only thinking about Boreo, and I'm not thinking about himself, he says, I don't care about my honor. What am I going to make? Moshe, Vayas, Moshe, Nechash, Nechoshet. Moshe literally doubles down to say, no, I'm not making this for me. This is not about my honor. I forgive them. The lesson they need to learn here is not to speak badly against Borei Olam. 
Look at this loving relationship between Moshe and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, where God is literally saying, I've forgiven mine. I'm worried only that they should treat you with respect. You ever see parents um, where a child is disrespectful and the father says, I don't care if you speak that way to me, I'm harsh. But how dare you speak that way about your mother? You know how sensitive she is. You know how much she cares. You know she's in her room crying. Later on, the mother comes down with puffy eyes. She's like, you know something? I don't mind. I'm here all the time in the house with you. I know the way you speak. But your father, he doesn't. he's not used to being disrespected like that. You really should go apologize. Each one of them is really worrying about each other. What a beautiful hallmark of a loving relationship between two beings. Um, you find it between two beings on earth, but here you find it between Moshe Rabbeinu and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Each one is worrying only about the other. But Rabbutai, I want to take it really one step deeper. The Chizkuni says, why did they use Nechoshet? Why did they use copper? Because copper is very shiny and it can be seen over a very large distance. It can be seen uh, from one side of the Jewish camp to the other. They didn't put snakes up everywhere. They put one stick with one snake wrapped around it in the middle of the camp. And it was high enough and shiny enough that all of the Jewish people from all around the entire camp of the Jewish people, hundreds of thousands, millions of people were able to see it and spot it from afar. Today, that stick with the snake wrapped around it has come to be the universal sign for ambulances and medicine. And that relates back to this first time when something was healed using an external source. But Rabotai, this idea, the shininess of Nechoshet, Lashon nofel al-Lashon, teaches us a very important lesson. You know what the power of the Nachash is? The very first time the Nachash appears in the Torah, what does he do? He speaks Lashon Hara. He says, Bore Olam, you know why he doesn't want you guys to eat from the tree of knowledge? He's selfish. He doesn't want you also to be like gods. He's not empowering you. He's not recognizing his privilege. He, doesn't, he wants to keep everyone else down in order to keep himself up. That's what the Nachash says about Hashem. He says, he knows, Ki biyom On the day that you eat from the tree of knowledge, you also be gods. So the very first, the power of the Nachash is in his uh, speaking Lashon Hara about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Therefore, all these generations later, the speaking ill of God, the speaking Lashon Hara about Hashem is also represented by a snake. My friends, Moshe Rabbeinu seeks to undo that by teaching the Jewish people, look, I'm going to make this snake and I'm going to stick it on a staff and I'm going to put it here and I'm going to make it out of Nechoshet because the root of Nechoshet, of Nachash, is something that could damage very, very far away. It's very shiny. It's very clear to see. For people who are miles away, they can still see the impact of what that's done. And that, my friends, is the power of a negative word. My, my, I, I just want to kind of wrap this all together because I think that there's something here that's very, very beautiful. And that is that when the Jewish people were complaining about God, why is that Lashonara? They're saying that the, you know, these roads are very arduous. You know, it's hard to travel. I'm very tired. I'm very hungry. I'm very hot. Is that Lashonara? They ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the Pasuk, they say, Hashem, Lama, right? Lama, Helitanu, uh, why did you take us out from Helitunu? Why did you take us out from Mitzrayim? Lamut ba midbar to die in the desert. Ke'en lechem, ve'en ma'im, there's no bread, there's no water. Ve'nafshenu katsa belechem akilokel. We're done already. We're finished with this man. We've had so much of it. We don't want anymore. Okay? In what way is that Lashon Hara about Moshe 
and about God. All they asked was, why'd you take us out if we're going to die in the desert? Now, hold on. Are they going to die in the desert? Yes. This is still the generation of uh, the Meraglim that are going to die before they go into Eretz Israel. Not only that, Ki en lechem ve'en ma'in, they just had this whole story where they didn't have water. It's coming right after the story with hitting the rock. Do they have bread? No, they don't have bread. The whole idea of the man was something that was instead of bread. So every single word they said, it was true. And on a simple level, one of the ideas that we learn here is that Lashonara is even when something is true. So when you're just about to speak about someone, you say, look, did I say one word that wasn't true? I just said the truth. I'm only telling you the truth. This idea, I'm only telling you the truth, does not mean that you're not speaking Lashonara. And if something is negative in nature, it's going to hurt somebody else, that still constitutes Lashonara, even if it's true. So before you say something, don't ask if it's true. Ask if it's helpful. That's one point. The second point over here is I think there's something even more insid uh, insidious, and that is as follows. What was the Nachash suggesting when he said to Adam and Chava, nah, don't worry, eat from the tree. This God, he has his own best interests in mind. He's only trying to look out for himself. He wants to be the only one with the power. Really? Nachash, why didn't you eat from the tree? Why are you not a God? Good question. I don't know why Chava didn't ask that question. Question number two, okay? What is the, uh, uh, the uh, complicated, what is the ulterior motive that the snake is suggesting that God had, had, that he wanted to be the only one who was going to be a God? You know, I think that's a second lesson over here with regards to, uh, um, to Lashon Hara. Lashon Hara doesn't only mean that someone is doing something bad. Even if someone says that somebody's doing something with the wrong intentions, that's enough to be able to say that that constitutes and classifies as Lashonara. That means that if God told them not to eat from the tree, and He gave them, He wants to be God, He's allowed, He gave them the He gave them everything. To say that His intentions are, He's out for the power, that's enough to be called Lashonara. Even if it's up to Him, He's allowed to do that. So as an example, someone says, you know what, the boss didn't give me uh, uh, a... Uh, 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 a raise. Well, do you deserve a raise? No. But you know what? He's stingy. He's not giving me a raise. He doesn't owe you a raise. So I could think that that's not Lashonara. You know why? Because he didn't do anything wrong. I didn't say he did anything wrong. I did say the truth. All I attributed to him is negative, is negative thoughts. That's also, my friends, Lashonara. So as an example, person goes to their father-in-law, their mother-in-law's house for Shabbat, and then they're making comments to their wife, you know, about her parents, you know, your father always thinks this, your father always does that, even if he did nothing wrong. But I'm saying, I'm intimating that the person has bad intentions, intentions of Yeah, the guy's, he's a control freak. He's only trying to, you know, to make sure that everything is going his way. It's his house. He's entitled to have everything his way. You moved him to deal into his house for the summer, and now you're complaining that he wants things the way he wants them? That's how it should be. A man should be able to, and a woman should be able to run their own house the way they want to run their house. Your, your guests in that home, even that's Lashonara, to say he wants to run his own house the way he wants to run his own house. You're making it sound like he's not sensitive to other people in the home, even if he doesn't have to be. That's also Lashonara. Even to say that someone is having bad thoughts. My friends, now we understand why the concept, the miracle of healing the Jews happened in this way. Many other times we find that there's a problem. They go to Moshe, Moshe prays, and what happens? Hashem fixes the problem. Hashem doesn't need props. 
So as an example, uh, could you imagine, Moshe comes up, forgive the Jewish people for the golden calf. Hashem's like, okay, go down, make for yourself, you know, a golden calf, put it on a stick. That doesn't happen. Even though there's parah duma, no one ever makes that connection in the Torah. God doesn't make that connection in the Torah. Moshe doesn't make that connection in the Torah. It's Rabbi Moshe Darshan, thousands of years later, who, who explains that there's a hidden meaning behind it. But there are no props. How come when Moshe goes to Egypt, Paro says, pray for me that they should go away. Moshe prays, Hashem takes away the Makkah. How come Moshe Rabbeinu is not told by Paro? Hashem says, wear a fur coat, flap the fur coat like this, and say to him, that we don't find it. Only here there's a prop. What's going on? Why did this message require a prop? And the answer is, what HaKadosh Baruch Hu was saying is, here, create something that you can see from very far away. Everyone is already deciding from very far away that I know exactly what's going on. I could see it. I see what's going on. I'm looking from two miles away. What could I see if I'm two miles away from that? I see barely bizarre. I see the sun shining on a shiny object. Could I really make out what is such as the nature of people who receive Lashon Ara? They become experts in everything. They know the whole story. They know why this guy did it. They know how come he quit. They know how come that guy was fired. They know why the family broke up. They know why this guy got divorced. They know why that kid got thrown out of school. Everyone's an expert. This is what the guy, you know why he passed away. The guy, he was doing this, he was doing that. I know, whatever, I know. I spoke to his doctor, the cousin, the uncle, right? From far away, you all of a sudden, you're an expert. What Moshe Rabin was telling them is, I want you to, from far away, be able to look at something and understand. I'm looking at a nachash, but actually, what I'm looking at is not what it is. Who's the one that's healing me, even though it looks like the snake at my feet? I take that snake, I lift it up so that the person's chin is brought to the heavens and the person realizes that what they're looking at is not what it seems to be. That is the power of the nachash nechoshet that someone recognized that maybe my perspective is not giving me everything I need to see. Maybe I could see it because something shiny caught my eye, an interesting story, a nice bit of gossip. I looked up, wow, but my friends, that moment teaches you that what you think you see oftentimes is not what you're seeing at all. And that is really the panacea, the heal all for Lashon Arais to recognize that all the time, the thoughts that you think you have, i.e., I think I understand the person's motivations. I'm attributing, this is why God said don't eat from the etzadat. I'm attributing thoughts to that person. Or I'm making up my own thoughts. Just stop for one second. And maybe... Uh, admit that the thing that you're looking at might be something else entirely. Shabbat Shalom. Have a great day.